HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Welcome to the Houndsman XP Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Powell. What do you say we catch up with Shorty Gorham? Where's that guy been? Well, he's going to tell you where he's been and what he's been up to. Shorty spent his whole adult life in professional rodeo and ended up with the uh, PBR and doing the biggest shows that they had. Everything from the World Championships in Vegas to the Fuel the Beast Tour to, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. So he's seen a lot of stuff. From working those local rodeos, moving all the way up to the big leagues. 
And we're going to talk about something that's a pretty hot topic in the hound hunting community right now. Is money ruining our sport? We're going to dive into it, folks. We're going to talk about every aspect of it. You know, in my mind, hound hunting sports is similar to rodeo and professional bull riding. And we're going to overlay those two together. We're going to compare them and dive in and talk about what money is actually doing to our sport and what does it hold for our future. Houndsman XP also made a big announcement this past week. We built our own dog box. I've always wanted to custom build a dog box that had all the bells and whistles, all the things that I needed in a dog box, and I think we've hit it. Check out the competition extreme by going to houndsmanxp.com. It's in a banner right at the top. Right at the top of the page, you can find it right there. A live link where you can check out all the details on this dog box. And if you order in the month of May, it will be ready to ship June 1st. And you will get free shipping if you pre-order now. Check that out, folks. It is nice. We designed a box that we always dreamed about having, and it's available to you. Check them out at houndsmanxp.com. Pre-order in the month of May and get free shipping. We're going to have them on hand. It's like a custom box that you're not waiting weeks for. This is a box shaker, folks. Let's get into this conversation with Shorty. See what that guy's been up to. Yep. No doubt about it, man. You look like you're a caveman. Got yeah, a feel- scruffy beard on there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just lazy, man. Lazy. What have you been doing? Uh, how are things in New Mexico, man? Man, they're good. They're good, yeah. Uh, I've been here right about 45 days now. and uh, Have you been there that long already? Yeah. And yeah, they haven't not- fired you yet? Not yet. <laughs> that's hey that's a good thing about absentee uh bosses yeah yeah do you do you run the dogs every day yeah i do yeah. Most, I, I hadn't uh the last well i shouldn't say i hadn't i've exercised them just down the county road we're lucky there's only a couple of vehicles come down this county road every day so yeah. and they're all and they know the dogs are there and stuff now so um but it's been, we've got a bunch of snow and then, well, we got rain and then snow and then a day off and then some more snow. So the roads are just terrible right now. So I heard they're a me- it's a mess out there right now. Yeah. So just, just exercise them on the county road and, and, uh, which I don't advise to everybody unless you have a county road. We do. Yeah. So. Well, tell everybody where you're at, Shorty. I don't, I don't know if anybody plug, plug the, plug the ranch and stuff. Take yeah. a minute. Uh, I quit the, quit the government gig for a, for a job opportunity here in Northeast New Mexico, Folsom, New Mexico, to be precise, uh, kind of helping take care of a, of a ranch here. Um, it's a cow calf ranch at the time. Um, and plus we hunt, uh, elk, mule deer, antelope, bear, and lions. So, and turkey don't let, we just turkey season we were 100 percent in our second season on the turkeys 100 percent. we're already sold out for next year so 
going good. What you guys got there? You got Merriam's and what else? You got any Merriam's? You have yeah. any Rio Grande's there? No Rio's. No. no, those are down at the South Texas Ranch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Cool stuff. So you're are you heading up the guide and outfitting side of it? Is that what you're doing? Oh, just kind of taking care of it here. Um, yeah. We have a guy uh, Levi that uh, he kind of takes care of. He oversees all of it in South Texas and here, but but just kind of yeah making sure all the animals are, are good and healthy here watching over things and and uh trying to catch a panther every now and again yeah yeah so uh do you miss do you miss the pbr stuff man i don't i don't know <laughs> that's like when people ask me do you miss being a game warden i'm like no no not even a little bit no it's, yeah, i'll tell you what i miss my friends that's what I miss too. Yeah, because you you know, shoot, we were we were damn near half the year on the road together. So you just made so many friends, it's like it was like a second family. So I do miss them, but but the road and the waking up Thor and stuff, no, I don't miss that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your day look like out there now? Yeah, I'll pretty much get up every day, take the dogs out, um, go you know, go look at some country, see if, see if we can find some lion sign and, and, um, uh, if we can, then we'll, uh, and it's good sign and right spot on the ranch. And we'll try to get a lion hunter in here. Um, otherwise just go hunt the dogs and, and, uh, catch what we catch and come back to the house and get, get chores done the back half of the day. So yeah, at least they, uh, get to, get to hunt. Hunt the dogs from whatever time I get up until about noon. Out here, it's it's mostly everything is is uh, you have to wait till shooting light to turn the dogs loose. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I the, I thought we'd talk about have you seen all this stuff going on? Uh, especially, well, it's been going on a long time, but Josh Michaelis has talked about it. I was on their podcast last week and talked to him about money in the coonhound sports. And I thought we could have it. I always wanted to ask you and talk to you about what your opinions were about money in the hound hound sports, because I look at it a lot like rodeo and, mm-hmm. and the, the way rodeo is, has kind of anchored itself in American culture and, and everything. I mean, all that rodeo, money gives more exposure to every guy out there on a ranch working somewhere as far as, and I'm talking everything from, from tires to Lucas oil products to clothes to, I mean, there's a huge impact there that, that that brings to the ranching culture or am I missing that? Well, it just brings it the whole Western culture, you know, and that's, that's the thing that, that like, and I think I was fortunate, like I, I worked 27 years in the industry and got to see it go from pretty much no money to now. What was it know? like? What was it like when you first started? I mean, cause you were doing smaller rodeos and stuff, but what, what kind of things did you see? Well, it was, I mean, there $500 added rodeo. That means there were $500 added money to the purse. Yeah. Guys were showing up left and right. And it, you know, in the end, you didn't 
fuel was a heck of a lot cheaper then, but you couldn't go, you couldn't get down the road hitting $500 added rodeos. Nowadays, they just don't pay enough to pay for the fuel. But, um, so it went from, uh, people kind of scraping by the elite of the elite were, were making a living at it. Everybody else was just kind of trying to scrape by to now you're, your best bull rider in the world at the end of the year is bringing home about probably a million and a half to a million seven. Um, you know, so got to see that huge, huge leap, but it, it does, it does well for the whole Western industry because it brings light to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like um, there's not a lot of people in this world right now that know that hound hunting exists. But mm-hmm. if it were ever to get to, you know, the point where it's it's on national TV and whatnot, then all of a sudden that brings a whole new uh, whole new uh, avenue for people to make money through marketing, through sponsorships, through all that stuff. Uh, and and it's quite frankly, there's some rough times that I've seen, you know, uh, just um different things but anyways there'll there'll be some rough spots in it but when they when the end goal is met it's better for the sport yeah you know yeah so what were those early rodeos like that you worked i mean we working did you start out at fairgrounds and it was like a rodeo company and and just traveling around yeah i was lucky i i knew enough people um that i worked for several i worked for two or three different rodeo companies um right off the get-go and but yeah you just got in with the rodeo company and went and hell i think i think starting out i was making 150 dollars performance and and loving life you know and uh <laughs> man when they went to did you work did you have whoop. to dress up like a clown back in those days um i guess we didn't have to but we still did we still yeah. wasn't making baggy pants and, and all that stuff right so, yeah yep oh yeah you yeah, went all the way from that to to being in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, but that was the end goal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just starting out. Like, yeah, I, I knew starting out that's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. That was my goal was to get there. I I just never hear any ranchers or you know guys that are competing at the local level, uh, you know, that are still hitting those five hundred adds in the rodeo circuit, I never hear them griping and complaining that, that there's too much money in rodeo these days. I mean, but you hear that in houndsmen. No, but in, and the thing is they can't have the small events without local sponsorships. Yeah. And, you know, so with the national level gaining more notoriety, I, I feel like the sponsors feel that their money is better spent, even if it's at the lower levels. Um, it's spent better now because of the notoriety that, that the sport's getting. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that, what have you seen as far as like when something happens in the PBR, it has a trickle down effect all the way to that local event, whether it's right. safety equipment or I don't know, fads, equipment, you know, all that stuff. Any of it. Yeah. And it, it just, the better the sport gets, the better the equipment gets, the better the equipment gets, the better everyone all the way down the line gets to to uh, to benefit from. You know, it's it's that's just um, 
and and you're seeing it now. Guys are guys are in the coon hunting world. From what I understand, they're using these thermals and stuff. That's just going to get better and better. And the more they're spending doing that, the more the better the technology is going to get for what they need. And then it's going to trickle on down to where it becomes cheap enough that that uh, not you guys that out there competing for you know pickup trucks and stuff can can afford to buy it. Sure. Yeah. And, and I don't care if you, I hunted with a guy the other night that hasn't entered a, has not entered a competition hunt in probably 10 years. And he was packing a thermal with him. There you go. Yeah. You know? I would. So if I put my, I'm looking, I'm going to be, I've got a company that's actually, I've, purchased a thermal from them because i want to try it out it's it's a pretty cool unit i'm not going to let the cat out of the bag uh on what it is but it's a pretty cool unit that i'm not only going to use for you know training dogs but i'm also going to use it for uh spotting hogs and things like that when we when we go down and do our side side hound hog hunting and our night hog hunting and stuff so I'll, i'll keep you informed on that but you know it's just the reason I wanted to bring up the rodeo thing is because I think there's so many daggone parallels in what we're seeing. And when that big money, you know, when PBR and the NFR and and all that stuff gets that kind of traction, you know, there's a reason why Lucas oil products wants their name on the wall and Cooper tires and whatever beer Coors Coors beer. And, you know, all those companies want their name out there companies do that because they they know it's a big draw and they know their their name's going to get seen right so they've got a lot at stake when people come out of the woodwork to try to shut down rodeo right do you think rodeo would have survived without that kind of sponsorship um i don't know they've they've fought tooth and nail with but I don't know. I don't know that it would have survived. No, not, not, not to the level that it has now. I mean, it's a hundred percent the sponsors mm-hmm. without not be where it's at. I'm thinking back in the old days, whether if it would have survived or not, I, I don't think so because there's not enough. Um, there's not enough money just with the entry fees alone to justify risking your life. Right. 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 Well, but there's always, you're always going to have that barnyard stuff. Heck, I remember the first steer I rode and it wasn't the last steer I rode, but it was close, you know, but we were just little kids and we saw, we saw cowboy movies and it's like, ride that steer, sneak up there and hop on that sucker and hang on. I lasted for about a one second count and I was on my butt, you know, you know, and, and the horses and stuff we had, you know, when they got bronchi that was the funnest time of it. And, and you, everybody felt like they were at the rodeo then. So you'd never, you'd never take, you'd never take that out of it. No, but, you wouldn't, but it, it wouldn't grow because it would be yeah local rodeo. And so, but you know what, when, when you're looking at the whole thing and, and I know there's other sides to it too, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And we're going to tie this into, you know, the, the part about houndsman and, and how, sponsorships and different stuff affect that but you know when you're looking at that kind of money being involved and and politicians run on where they can get money 
That's what mm-hmm. that's that's what keeps gas in their tank, baby. Is, is and when the CEO or the you know the executive vice president of Coors Beer can call up legislator Joe down the road and say, "Hey, you need to think about this because we're pumping a lot of money into your campaign and a lot of your buddies' campaigns, and you're the whip, so you need to get your party in line and get this thing straightened out." Right. Yeah. No. That's 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 big time stuff right there and i think that definitely uh it's gonna be it's gonna get there i i have a good feeling that that the sport is gonna get there there's gonna be some bumps and knocks on the ways all i'm saying and everybody's gotta be patient because can't make everybody happy right off the get-go they were were talking about it and we're talking mainly about I'm going we want I'm gonna talk about how I think that ties into every houndsman in the United States here in a few minutes, but but um or give my opinion on it. But the million dollar they were gonna have a million dollar hunt. Right. And they just simply couldn't couldn't get there because just trying to go too fast. You know, we saw we just had our first hundred thousand dollar hunt two years ago. Right. And now, you know, that's become a more commonplace. And right. there's just a you got to walk before you can run and you know <laughs> so the, the the tv the tv will be the next step in my opinion you know get tv on on these events good tv that can go um you know on rf tv rfd or or cowboy yeah. channel like that because believe me your sponsors know where their dollars are going and and to go throw enough money at an event to have a million dollar event um without tv coverage you know they they know that when they're buying sponsorships you know whether it's be for the super bowl or whatever they know exactly how much money per second that it's costing them yeah. and you know and 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 what they're getting out of it has to uh has to offset that obviously so i wonder what um, that matrix is i wonder i wonder how what how they figure their return on investment because everybody knows what Coke is and, and Coors beer. Well, you know, unless you live under a rock, you know what a Chevy truck is. So what's their, what's their draw to make sure that they have their name at a NASCAR event. Everybody there knows what a Chevy truck is. Why, why would they waste? I wonder why they'd spend that money. Well, and I think it's probably a lot of it's like a brand loyalty type of deal, you know, Mm-hmm. Just, and I don't know all the sponsors of NASCAR, probably, ever, but I can just tell you through growing up uh, in, in the rodeo business, I'm going to wear Wranglers. Um, I'm going to wear Ariots. I'm going to uh, drive on Cooper tires. Yeah. Uh, I'm driving a Ford pickup. And, you know, there's just certain things that those were the people that I grew up watching here. You know, they were, they were, they've built brand loyalty with me just because I grew up in the rodeo world. They were always sponsors of it. They still are. And so that brand loyalty, I think pays more than getting you to get up and go grab a Coke that day. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, Heath was, Heath was bad mouthing Fords today. So what, how many miles you got on your Ford shorty? Oh, like 350,000 hunting miles. Yeah. Yeah. 350,000. You still got the same three quarter ton white Ford. I do. Yeah. 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 Good one. Yeah. 
it, it's been there, done that, but, um, yeah, we won't get in the truck today, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and four door Dodge. Cause I grew up rodeo and rodeo is more like a, a Dodge loyalty type deal. And then oh, riding Ford, yeah. so. Oh, I know. Yeah. No doubt. But no I'll doubt. make, Hey, I drove a Toyota. Yeah. So. You can't, you can't knock anybody for that. That's just smart. Yeah. Well, the ranch structure, some of the ranch structure Toyota. So, yeah. Yeah, if you want to get back, you jump in the Toyota, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now the the whole deal with the the I just uh, I don't know what drives people to make comments about money running running things. I think some of it is they just feel like, and and I'm I'm as nostalgic as anybody. We, I talked to Josh about this on the the pod, the fuel by joy podcast we did, you know, when I was a, when I was a young youngster, uh, 10 of my first hunt when I was 13 years old competition event. And that was 41 years ago. Now, uh, you know, the guys that were there, your local club only had four or five, maybe four events a year. And those guys hunted, didn't travel. They didn't get up and down the road. You might see them at Shelbyville or, you know, a couple of counties away and, and hunt like that. But, but for the most part, they were just hunters that, that showed up. It's kind of like the local rodeo deal, you know, at the county fair in the West, you got, you know, Billy Bob Bronkrider from the triple Y ranch. That's going to show up and compete every year until he's broke up or he can't do it anymore. Yep. And, and that's kind of the way these coon hunters were back in the day. And now yep. it's a, it's different. We're more, we're more mobile these days. we got paid handlers. So some of it I know comes from, you know, just nostalgia of man back in the day, it was better. And, and to, in some ways it was, you know, it was a lot of fun going and there were, you know, it wouldn't be anything to draw 75 people to a local, local UKC event you know, right. and have 75 entries right. and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, simple, that just like I said, I miss my friends. Well, you know, um, 10 years from now, I'm not going to know anyone rodeoing hardly at all, whatever. And I'm, I'm going to say, it, you know, yeah, it was better when I was rodeoing because you know why? Cause those were great memories for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, or hasn't, you know, taken a, uh, taken off or, or done better for the sport, um, as a whole, but, but those are my memories. And those are, I think that's what people want to hang on to is that, man, it was so good. It was so fun. We did this, we did that or whatever, but, but you can't, in my opinion, bad mouth progress because what's happening is going to end up eventually making it a, uh, a better sport. And, and right now, um, heck, I think the, the more publicity that, that coon hunting can get in, in the right light, it's, is, it's going to be better for all of hound hunting because people don't understand it. But if we can get it on mainstream TV, something like that, you know, then the average show can, can get to, to understand it. Now, when you go over there and you say, Hey, I see you got you know, a couple hundred acres. Can I, Hey, I saw what you guys do on TV. You know, that's going to open some doors. It's going to be better 
Well, yeah. it tells a bigger story. It gives us an opportunity to tell a bigger story, you know, because if you show up just like with a podcast, that's what we do here. That's what we're trying to do here. What's what we've always tried to do. You know, you tell that story of it's not just some guy in a truck with a dog, a vicious dog that kills stuff. You know, right. this is a guy that has kids. This guy loves his dogs. He takes good care of his dogs. You know, we've, you and I have done podcasts on how to care for dogs and, and different right. things. And, and so it's about telling that bigger story in a way that the world is never going to see it if we don't. Exactly. And, and so from strictly the future of our freedom to be able to continue to do this, the high, days of hiding are over. Because if we don't tell the story, somebody else is going to tell it for us, and they're gonna, not going to tell it in a way that's going to keep us out there hunting. That's exactly right. And that's that's the thing you got to do. And, and there's going to be some learning experiences even with that. You know, I can tell you personal experiences of those, um, the people that will tell you the story for you, um, they can twist it on you in a hurry, and and, and it ain't good. And we've, we have a good story with with uh hound hunting and, and coon hunting in particular and i'm with you i think the time for hiding's over let's let's go yeah and, and like you said you got to walk before you can run but i think it's going in the right direction yeah now some of the some of the parts that do concern me is you know with this money i i told josh the other day this came up in the conversation i was like you know i've been keeping track i kept track for the first 200 um the first 200 competition hunters that I talked to after we started the podcast. And I asked them all the different, I all asked them all the same question. If competition coon hunting went away, would you still hunt? Would you still be a houndsman? And 75% of them have said no. Right. So that raises a question in my mind. So are you, are you in love with hunting? Are you in love with hounds? Are you in love with competing? Right. And so, I think we've developed a culture here with the money and it's created this draw where, you know, a 22 year old kid can make good money handling a dog for the right, right handler. If he's a good handler, he can make good money. And, and, but with that, how many of those people are going to stick with it right now? Yeah. I'm up 75% said no. There's a solution for that though. Um, and, and something, um, that team roping did a long time ago, which was brilliant. Barrel racing has followed suit some somewhat, but team roping developed a, a numbering system where you are, you know, somebody will watch you rope, whatever. And they number you one through 10. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, because it's team roping, obviously there's more than one. So there's two guys, if they have a number, number uh 10 roping you can have um you know two number fives roped together or four and a six or whatever but and some of them are capped at a certain height to number well um you know no matter no matter what nobody likes going and and not not having a chance to win so create a numbering system for this deal where your local clubs you don't have to compete against this guy or you get a so many point slide um if this guy's over a certain number or whatnot. There there's a way to do it. It's just gotta be discussed and, and looked at and broke down and, and create a system to where Yeah, but then you take away you, you did you hit your mute button? 
I did not. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I just started talking and cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but everybody wants to hear that psych story. You know, the guy that, that, um, uh, raises his own dogs and, and hunts his own dogs and goes and wins it all. You know, that, that homegrown boy j guy just goes out there with all the big wigs and, you know, that's, that's the American sports story. Yeah. And those will happen naturally. Like they will along the way, you know, as you go, but, um, and, and the good thing about it, they're just, they're organic when they do happen. They don't come on along all the time, but it's, it's fun when they do. But I tell you what, the looking at the other side of the deal is, is, um, your breeders, your breeders are going to end up being the ones that really benefit from this, that I think that are breeding dogs that can win day in and day out. Uh, they're going to start getting some serious, and I know they already, they already are, but I, it, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's going to get better for the guys that are really serious about breeding and producing dogs that can win every day. Well, I always say it, man, when, when people are spending $1,800 for a doodle and the only expectation of that dog is not to shed hair on the couch. Right. Why are, why are we expecting puppy prices to be still 1980s, 200 bucks a piece when you can raise that dog? And if you do, if you know what you're doing and you've got a good pup, then, then you can set the limit for where you can, how much money you can win with that dog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and more money there is out there to win, the more money they'll, they're willing to pay for pups. The, the other thing I worry about though, is, you know, with so much emphasis on hounds have changed so much, even since, you know, uh, really since the year 2000, last 20 years, the style of dogs and different stuff like that. You know, they're just, it seems like that a lot of these dogs that are winning and come from breeding programs that have been bred to fit a scorecard, you know, instead of do the job that we need them to do. So I do worry about, you know, the influence. Where are the guys in the West going to draw from? Back in the day, it was, it was, you know, Bert Noni sold dogs to the Delbra or Dale Lee, and he was an English breeder from back east here, Brett, um, uh, Albert Vaughn, you know, there were a lot of people back here, back east that were selling dogs to Western houndsmen. Is the, you yeah. think the Western breeding programs are good enough now to, to sustain it or? Yeah, I do. I do. But, um, does there need to be a different breeding program? Well, you know, that's the thing. Here's the thing. If, 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 um, if you don't like the hounds fitting the scorecard, change the scorecard, you know, make it to where it's more, um, advantageous for a different type of hand, like the perfect hand, whatever you're thinking. But, but what you'll see, I think is, that, I think it's I've, just a needs thing, shorty, the, the, the needs that you have, you know, I know I've hunted with you enough to know you run multiple dogs at one time and you expect them all to, to pull their weight and do their part and be together. And you don't want to be chasing 13 hounds in 13 different directions. That's all and, I've been two days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, the, the, the competition dog, they expect to be by itself independent, you know, under a coon somewhere. Uh, right. and, uh, I don't, 
there is a tendency to breed a dog, a different style of dog than, than what we hunt in the Rocky mountains in the, in the winter time, you know, yeah. um, I've tried to dispel that a little bit with a couple, I've got three of my dogs out of two grand night champions. Uh, they're one of them's a platinum PKC champion in the Rocky mountains right now that are just excelling on lion hunting. So right. I think it can be done and I, I, but it is a fear. It is a fear that right. if we keep breeding, there ain't anybody that I know that would, that would buy a, a horse off the track at the, at Kentucky Downs and expect to work cattle or ride trail on it in the Rocky mountains or have a good time on it. No, I, yeah. Yeah, animals definitely get specialized and, mm -hmm. and you know um that's been obvious in the just in the bull riding industry in the last 20 years where they've taken it you know bloodline. but i think but don't you think it could, do you think it could still be used though i mean because i know that they you know you come back here like you take doc bar doc bar right. was a was a track bred quarter horse and how many cow horses do you know that have doc bar in their pedigree oh. Yeah, probably a pile of them. Yeah, down somewhere, somewhere way back in there, just because he was bred so much. But no, and, and we had the same concerns with it, like in the bull riding was, you know, uh, they're gonna they're gonna take the buck out of them because they're starting them too young, or or this or that, or all they're breeding for is this type of spinner or or whatever. But there's there's always concerns, and they'll change as the game changes but i can tell you right now the bulls back when i when i started uh these guys they the bulls wouldn't have a chance of bucking these guys off nowadays um so while the while the the cowboys level game changed so did the the stock contract tractors having to having to breed for the perfect bull and that's where i think this deal is going to go is with these with these coon competitions and stuff and they're you're going to have to have a dog that's near perfect every time in the, in the very near future, I think in order to go win day in and day out against these big time guys. Well, you guys like John Strickland, uh, he seems to be dialing in on that. I mean, that yeah. guy's winning more than anybody I know right now, either him or his dogs are. And, and, uh, we're getting closer and closer to it. I don't think we'll ever get to the, you know, the perfect town that, that's unbeatable. I don't think we'll, we'll ever get there. As soon as you do, thank you. You, uh, you can, or you will, or you have, you're, you're done anyways. And that's same goes with all animals or, or whatever, you know, as soon as you quit trying to make the perfect one, you're going backwards. Are you using Onyx maps while you're out running your hounds? I know I do. There are all kinds of features within Onyx in that app that allows me to mark den trees it allows me to mark terrain features it keeps me from floating my hat on those deep stream crossings so i can mark those shallow places where i can cross streams i use it all the time whether i'm east or west in the east property is chopped up into smaller chunks and when a dog gets through the country i can actually look on onyx dial it in see who owns that property and plan my route in and out of there to retrieve my hound when i'm hunting in the west same thing. All the terrain features are included on Onyx Maps. 
and I can plan my route. I don't always have a choice of where my hounds end up, but I can always depend on Onyx to get me in and out of there as quickly and as easily as possible. You can save 20% on your next purchase at Onyx when you go to onyxmaps.com and at checkout you enter the code HXP20, you will get 20% off of your next subscription. When you go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the sponsor tab and join us on Patreon, you will receive a code to get 30% off of your next subscription of Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Here's a bull riding question for you. So I've watched a lot of the, I like watching old bull ridings and stuff. And, and of course, the most well-known bull of all time was Bodacious. Right. And how do you think he would stack up today with today's riders? Uh, he'd still be pretty tough just because the style he bucked. Um, uh-huh. And at, at first, he wasn't bad. He was kind of long and and strong going away from you a little bit, had some forward movement to him, but then there toward the end, he learned how to do that hop skip deal and he'd throw his head back at you. And, and even your you, face up. Yeah. <laughs> tough tough right, right. You know, that, that was why they, they didn't want to get on him anymore. Cause if you were riding correctly to ride a bull, he could still hit you in the face. And so, um, he'd still be a tough one. He'd still be dangerous. He'd be yeah. tough, but, um, but yeah, that's all you can say on him. But go if you go watch videos from the '90s and and that now of the greatest bulls of those days, they wouldn't even be like a lot of them wouldn't be first round bulls today. <laughs> Change that much? Oh man, Cody Lostro's been he's breeding some bulls up there. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has for quite a while. Does a good job. He's uh focused on his breeding program and and it's pans out for him in fact if you want to own a bucking bull he has a sale every year so yeah yeah i can always tell when the sale's coming up because he's he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of uh social media promotion right well got gotta you. do what you gotta do man yep have you talked yeah. to cody uh no not he's is he back from africa i don't know i oh, don't yeah. know no, he's, uh, last I talked to him, he was leaving the next morning to go to Africa. That's right. I forgot you told me that. Yeah. When so, he gets, when he gets back, man, we yeah, gotta, he, we gotta catch up with him. I want to, I want to hear about his trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to catch up with Josh and Jason too. They just made a trip to Arizona. So I'm not talking to those guys anymore. Are you mad at him? <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Jason, but I'm not talking to Josh. All right. <laughs> no, you guys are practically neighbors out there. I'm going to be out there in a few weeks. I'm going to, it'll be a good time. Got, yep. a, got, got the plans changed here a little bit for me, but, uh, we're back on top now and we're, we're powering through it and getting stuff back in order. But, uh, um, you, you know, I, I guess taking it back to the subject at hand about money, I, I understand some of the concerns, but I think a lot of times it's, it's a deal where, uh, I've watched with my own personal experience, I always found money to do the things that I wanted to do that I really wanted to do that were really important to me. Um, I could have worked overtime shifts, you know, I could make more money. I could, you know, do this and save and, and different stuff. But 
I think a lot of times it's just a, there's a spike of jealousy that yep. there's a 22 year old kid out there riding home in a brand new truck. When old blue is standing out here behind the barn. And I know, I know that dog could, could perform like that, but I ain't got the money to go. So it's, yep. it turns into an excuse. Yep. Yep. And I tell you what, not only you might not have the money to go, but I guarantee you one other thing that guy probably outworked you. Yeah. And that's, happens more times than any in any sports or any competition is the guys winning usually outworked you that's the truth there's no doubt about that and and there's another aspect to it too if that dog is good enough and you make a good enough splash in your local events then the community's too small somebody's gonna people, be for people not yeah for for people not to know about it and yep. for them to be calling you and saying hey you know, yep. I either want to buy your dog or I want to pay you to take yep. that dog and do this. But this is the condition. I'm going to, I'm going to own the dog or I'm going to be partners on the dog or something like that. Yep. Yep. And that happens. And I've done that many a times. I'd be at a bull riding somewhere, a smaller bull riding that, that we did or something. And I'd see a bull and I'd call one of those big guys and say, Hey, there's a bull over here. You need to look at, he can fit the deal. You know, there's, and that that's going to happen. And, in the coon hunting world too it's going to make everything get better for for everybody if you just give it a chance <laughs> yeah I, th I think there's so many parallels between what we do and and uh you know rodeo and bull riding and all that stuff it's right there in front of us it's a good model that we could we could learn a lot from pbr's already done it you know yeah and and uh nfr and and all what was the other one mprca is that, still, is that still going on? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have their uh, uh, Wrangler National Finals Rodeo in December in Vegas every year. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's already been done. It's already been figured out. We just got to quit trying to reinvent the wheel and look at it. And man, you make it. You make it important, and you you bring the money to it, and and money is power, and money is influence, and and that's what keeps you anchored and secured into the future. And I was talking to somebody the other day, NASCAR has done that all the way down to my nephews racing go-karts, you know, look at the money that's in racing kids, racing go-karts. Yep. You know, tires and, and oil additives and tools and, uh, you know, helmets and, race suits and all of it, it all comes down from the top. It all comes down and, and creates a market at your own individual level. Yep. That's what we're and, looking at. And then it doesn't only market, you know, the, the dogs or whatever, but heck some kid that can't afford to go very, very much or very far goes to his local deals and starts kicking butt. Same thing's going to happen. Somebody's going to call one of those guys and say, Hey, you need to look at this kid as a handler. You bet. You know, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I just think it's just going to get better and better and better, and I'm I'm excited to be here and be able to watch it. Well, that's um, you know, that's one of the things that, and well, when you bring on, we just brought on Onyx as right. a sponsor, and I can tell you that that was like a year long deal to get to get that done because right. Onyx wanted to vet. Yep. Whether they wanted our na their name attached to Houndsman XP 
and this lifestyle, you know, this sport, this community of people. And right. so when you start getting national brands like that, now they've got, they've got a stake in this game now. Mm-hmm. So when there is an issue or, you know, they, they're going to, they're going to do some cool stuff coming down the pipe. They're going to help us move this over into mainstream that way. When people are saying, oh, hound honey didn't fair chase, it's like, wait a second. Right. I can tell you something different, and this is why. Right. Yep. Yep. And Onyx is great. And if you don't have Onyx, you should. I can just tell you that right now. And, and being a newbie out here in this part of the world, I've literally used Onyx multiple times every day, just trying to find out our property lines, neighbors. We've got some cut up little places here and there, whatever, but marking also, um, every bit of lion tracks I see every lion scratch, I see all yeah. that stuff. I mark it, but, but, uh, the other benefit of it is, um, is using it to identify your neighbors and or right. potential hunting properties. Cause you can get on there and you can see who owns it and then, uh, look those people up and, and uh try to gain access to their land yeah and it's even it's even uh you know you talked about being out there but but being back east here where the properties are smaller and right. we do get more and more absentee landowners either from indianapolis louisville or or cincinnati that come out here and buy property it's a pretty handy tool to yep. to to be able to get their information and and make contact with them and say hey you know i'm hunting the property next to you and and um uh, you know, those coons are, are ravaging your, your food plots and your turkey nests and all that stuff. It'd be, be just a walk across the fence is a problem. If I, nope, come on over, come over and kill as many as you want. Just don't be there during my deer season. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's fine too. Yeah. But yeah, it is handy. I do. I use it a lot. So. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> well, I think as we keep going down this road, it's inevitable you know, it's, we're not going to be able to stop it. And so I just wanted to kind of have a conversation, see what, pick your brain, see what you thought about it and compare it to that, you know, what we've, what you've seen in rodeos since you've been in it for so long. And, um, yeah. No, I think they're on a, they're on a big parallel, you know, and, and the good thing is, um, there's people that have watched it. And, and, you know, in rodeo or bull riding didn't create it, you know, it already been done in, in NASCAR and golf and the way mm -hmm. they structured there. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel to be successful. Just, uh, you know, ask questions when questions need to be asked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us about that big Tom line you guys caught out there. I think is the first one you caught on the ranch, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, I'd caught some before in years previous, but yeah, I had only been here. Oh, I guess I'd only been here about three days. Uh, no, it was four days, but it was, it was, uh, anyways, first day I got to hunt, we had a little snow right here and, um, and snow's not my thing. I really don't enjoy hunting snow, just to be quite honest, <laughs> but Anyways, um, uh, we had a hunter here in camp and, um, any, anyways, I got up and drove out the front gate and made left-hand turn and 
I left the left the house at three thirty that morning. At three thirty eight, I had a had a good time line track found. And so I went and tried to cut around it and do what you're supposed to do. You know, get get that track shortened up as much as I could. And, and um, I've got a couple pups. So I didn't want to shorten it up too much. So anyhow, turned out on it, and it it went through a big old herd of elk and and uh yeah an elk race didn't you no no didn't have an elk race thankfully no kidding well you know you don't have to wait till it happens to push the trigger (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah just push the button beforehand and uh anyways no i kept everything under control there it was good but uh but anyway had yeah just big old losing the elk so made a big circle and and uh couldn't find it going out of there I missed it, to be honest with you. It, it crossed the road in some elk tracks, and I didn't see it. Um, and it may have been underneath the elk tracks. I'm not sure. But anyhow, so I just free cast the dogs and went and started hunting. And, and uh, they picked it up and trailed it a couple of miles down the rim and jumped it on the rim there and, and uh, got it bait up in the, in the bluff. And uh, anyhow, about the time we got plenty of pictures and stuff, what, about the time we were going to, try to take him uh he jumped off the rim went down the tree in a, in a tree which we were going to end up down there inevitably but it it was not a fun place to go but anyhow yeah. uh, then uh then my hunter which happened to be the ranch owner uh the son and and uh so he tries to shoot it with a with a six creedmoor suppressed six creedmoor nice gun anyways it it he has light primer strikes and it won't go off so mm. uh luckily i had my pistol which i always do anyways i had my pistol and he's a he's a heck of a shot with with a pistol so i handed him that and that was finished. a good shot saw the video yeah so and that was that was that 155 pounds six years old um and uh the, the game warden when i was checking him in the game warden i told him he was six years old in that game where he said, well, how do you know he's six years old? <laughs> I said, I said uh, gum recession measurement. He said, do what? I said, yeah. I said, I, man, I just got off the job. I worked for wildlife services. I said, but since like 2016, I've been doing a bunch of mountain lion capture work for studies and stuff. And I said, by measuring that gum recession, you can age them. He had never heard anything like that, but after I showed him, <laughs> he was uh dumb game wardens. It was not dead dumb. <laughs> I think I shady was going on when I knew how old he was. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How many lines do you think you caught when you're working for USDA? Do you know? I, I can go back and look, but no. Um, Give us an estimate. I have no idea. Yeah, I had. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I never kept track. Thousands. No, no, no. <laughs> We're going to shorty Gorm, lion catcher. You're right. <laughs> no, so. Well, man, I appreciate this good talk. It's good talking to you. Yeah, well, get out here. I know you had some stuff come up and whatnot, but uh, weather's getting prime out here now, so you better. Oh, man, I'm ready. I am ready to roll. I'm telling you. Maybe, maybe if you come down, maybe Josh and Jason will come visit us. I don't know. Like they hadn't come and visit me yet. So they, they're homebodies, man. I've tried to 
Josh backed out on this. Josh backed out on me this year. He was supposed to be out here in April, April 1st. We were going to go do run around, do some different stuff and started getting closer and closer. And, and, uh, yeah, he, he just, uh, he's done so much traveling and stuff. I, I respect him for it. You know, he, he likes staying close to home. He's got yeah. a lot of work, man. Those guys work. Holy smoke. They work. Yeah, I know it. Josh, what. Josh, for some reason, I, there's always pictures of Jason working. I think Josh, Josh, Josh stands back and takes pictures of Jason working. I got, he's the social media. <laughs> I better stop. I better stop. Josh isn't here to defend himself. So <laughs> now I'll be out in a few weeks and, and, uh, we'll, we'll go look at some country and have some good times. Sounds good. Good talking to you. And, uh, We'll talk soon. You bet. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure you check out our website at houndsmanxp.com. And uh, we're dropping new merch merchandise there and filling up that store. Get yours. Look for our specials and shop at our sponsors, too, man. Just like Shorty was talking about brand loyalty, you know, the sponsors that we've got are, are serious about our motto to preserve, protect, and promote this lifestyle. They put their names on it and they're there for you. So, and check out our new Onyx code. It's HXP20 and you can get 20% off of your Onyx when you use that code at checkout for your next Onyx subscription. So check that out. All right. Well, I'm your host, Chris Powell, and thank you for listening to Houndsman XP. This is Fair Chase.